Welcome into Four Down Territory, everybody. I'm Kyle Madsen. I am the managing editor at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me as he does each and every week right here on Four Down Territory, it's Doug Farrar, the managing editor of Touchdown Wire, also part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Doug, week 11, huh? In the books. Man. Week 11 in the books. Well, almost. We're taping this Monday afternoon. Yeah, great point. Week 11, almost in the books. Almost. We're almost there. Some good performances, some bad performances, but the league and the playoff picture is definitely starting to to become clearer as we enter the uh, the latter half of of this 2023 season. So let's start with first down here. We've already seen one coach fired. Josh McDaniels of the Raiders got got canned a, a couple of weeks ago. Is it possible that we'll see another in season head coach firing here? I'm starting to move from possible to probable, and I have my guy, and you had your guy, and I'm like, I think your guy might get it first. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Ron Rivera of the Commanders should be leasing, not owning at this point. The Commanders yeah. have a new ownership group. They're desperate to paste over the stink of the Dan Snyder era, and they also want a new stadium. You know what all sets that all up, Kyle? Not being embarrassed on the field. Uh, the Commanders lost 31-19 on Sunday to the New York Giants, broken offense, and Tommy DeVito. I mean, I like a good veal parm sandwich as much as the next guy, but please. Uh, DeVito, <laughs> quarterback. I don't know what else to say. Jack Del Rio's defense has been a fountain of blown coverages for years. I've written about this multiple times. It was never worse than in this game. <clears throat> when you sack an opposing quarterback nine times, uh, Q. Ed Rooney, nine times, as the commanders did to DeVito, and you still allow that guy to complete 18 of 26 for 246 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a pass rating of 137.7, oh you are in the God. wrong business, my friend. Sam Howell threw three awful interceptions, unusual for him. The commanders also lost three fumbles, so they have a balanced offense. After the game, Rivera put out the same old stuff about, you know, looking at things to see what they can change. Start with your defensive coordinator. I like Rivera as a person and as a coach, but it's not working. And if nothing else, the franchise needs a head coach who inspires confidence to move their plans forward mm-hmm. and their big plans. This team is now 4-7 and seven after a 2-0 and oh start. Rivera has amassed a 26-34-1 record in nearly four seasons. Change is coming, and it may happen in season. And here's the thing. When you're not only trying to win on the field, but sort of off the field, if you're the team that makes Eric the enemy, he's your offensive quarter already, coordinator already. If you make him your interim head coach, that's a, that's a hire that would certainly make waves in the battle of public perception. And, oh, by the way, the commanders get to play against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and Dak's going to find Del Rio's coverages far more appetizing than anything he tucks into when it's dinner time. So I, whether it's in season or after, I mean, I, it, it's a fait accompli. It's just if I were the commander's ownership group, I would, you know what? We're going to do this anyway. We got the enemy here. Whether we believe in him or not, people have been asking for eons, like when is he going to get his chance? Give him his chance. Why not? What do you, you, you literally have nothing to lose because you're already losing. Ron Rivera, I'm not sure if I've ever said this on this show, and maybe you'll disagree with it, and and that's fine, but – Ron Rivera to me is the coach that NFL owners think Jeff Fisher is where he'll he'll give you a little bit of stability. Like you're not going to be a total dumpster fire with Ron Rivera, but there's also just kind of a cap on how far you're going to go at this point. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we've seen they were a dumpster fire yesterday for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday for sure. But they, they, it's done. 
Like yeah. what Ron Rivera can do for the commanders is, is what they need is well beyond what he's going to do for a team. Yeah. Ceiling is and, right here. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's fine. I'm with you though. They, they need to move on. And it, it, Eric B is the very obvious choice and it's a layup. Like they got it. They got to go. He proves it. Worst case. I mean, we, we all stop asking the question, but either way it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a possibility. It's so much better than it's an opportunity. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's so much better than fake riverboat Ron out there playing for the tie in Seattle with less than a minute to go. I mean, when you have a January 6th truther on your staff who can't call coverages, I don't it's, a dust up. it's a dust it's up. It's a dust up. Just All a little right. dust up. Yeah. Not sure how so, Brandon Staley feels about January 6th, but he's up next here. As well, we talk about. <laughs> oh boy. It's like that, the big dog, little dog meme, Brandon Staley is your DC, Brandon Staley is your head coach. Dude, seriously, he was so good in, in LA, right? And maybe it's because he had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and and a really good group of defenders. But it's kind of surprising to me, not, not super surprising because they won a few games, but the fact that we're recording this Monday afternoon and Brandon Staley still has a job is, is definitely surprising to me. So not that this year by itself, I mean, they're four and six. It hasn't, it hasn't been a, a total dumpster fire. But the fact is that this is three years in a row of this. They had the one year where they went 10 and seven and made the playoffs. It was last year. And they had a colossal collapse yeah. in, in the first round of the playoffs. And that, again, in itself, okay, he made the playoffs. It didn't go well. That's okay. Yeah. But then you have this year where they're four and six. They're continuing to underachieve. Their defensive head coach keeps rolling out a defense that can't get a stop on the ground or in the air. They just have, they have no answers. And the press conference yesterday on Sunday. <laughs> if you missed it, pause this and go watch it. We will most that definitely one, put it up. We'll put the whole thing up on the Fort Territory listicle when it goes up tomorrow morning. Perfect. So the fire that he showed there isn't necessarily bad, right? You like the passion. You like the, this is how it's going to be. This is the way it is. Stop asking that question. Mer. Like, okay, that's fine. But the clear like reversion to being angry as a means of, like disguising the fact that he doesn't have any answers yeah. is very concerning to me. And that's, well, and that's the, whole that thing, the whole thing of like, I'm doing everything right. You're kind of passive aggressively throwing your players under the bus, which you never want to do. Right. He's saying this isn't all on the defense. This is on the offense. We fumbled here and this went wrong. It all starts with me, but it's on everybody. It was just not a good. And then, and then the reporter asked him about Quentin Johnston and Staley was like, you were at training camp. You saw him be good in training camp. Like, bro, that was 12 weeks ago. That well, you was know so long ago. Camp. You know, he was good what? in training camp. He was, facing was he was facing the Chargers defense. <laughs> it's a really good point. I wish somebody had said that to him in that moment. But yeah. no, this, this, was, this was supposed to be a, a, a Chargers club that contends with the Chiefs, right? And right now, they're not contending with the Raiders. Like, Staley's got to go, man. Yeah. He's, he's very clearly... They're they're in need of answers. He has none of them, and at that point, you got to cut bait and see if if he can't salvage this season, at least keep this group of players, which is very talented, keep this talented group of players from becoming uh, disgruntled and and all of a sudden you're having to blow everything up. You start to see effort things on the field. It's like, ugh. and as yeah. far as competing with the Chiefs, as Joey Tribbiani used to say, supposedly, but no, <laughs> no, they're not, they're not like the talent is there you know, on paper. Like sure. But it's just, it hasn't worked out in, in three years now. 
And well, when we talk about good coaches, which we're about to, you see the buy-in, you see everyone like, I'm going to max it out for this guy because I believe this is the inverse. So speaking of that, speaking of that, let's get to second down here. Who is your coach of the year so far? I got to go with Kevin O'Connell of the Minnesota Vikings. Not only is O'Connell transcended Kirk Cousins' seasoning injury and Justin Jefferson being out for multiple weeks, uh, he also traded for a quarterback in Josh Dobbs who was running O'Connell's entire offense with just a few weeks in the building. It's hard to explain how hard that is for a coach and a quarterback to, to line that up, except to say that you rarely, if ever, see it. O'Connell is a top five offensive play caller in the NFL. He's not just a head coach. He's calling the offense. That offense is really, really good. Though he might want to ditch the direct snap to TJ Hawkinson and hand off to Josh Tops that led to one of Minnesota's two fumbles against the Broncos on Sunday night. Um, more on that in a minute, by the way. Great. Hey. Oh, boy. O'Connell is aggressive when he needs to be. You can tell that his players have bought in completely, as I said. And he's let defense, defense according to Brian Flores, do all his crazy blitz and coverage stuff without let or hindrance. The Vikings lead the NFL in three-man rushes and rushes of six or more. All at the same time. I don't think that's ever happened sure. in history. <laughs> uh, it's a tough balance as a coach to have an eye on everything and at the same time know when to put things in the hands of your most talented people and trust them. That's coaching, management, editing, whatever. Um, the Vikings are 6-5 and five in circumstances that would have had a lot of teams looking forward to the draft, and they should be 7-4 and four right now. Again, more on that in a minute, but I digress. The direct yes, snap we're to going it. to talk about officiating. Oh, my God. Of course, it wouldn't be a four-down territory without it. The the handoff to the quarterback and a direct snap to a tight end, like there's a, so many good offensive coaches in the league right now, and, and there is a fine line between like, wow, masterclass play design and overthinking. Yeah. And that's overthinking. I'm that's sure that doing, was really, doing it really good on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, cool. It worked awesome in practice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got to go with my guy, D'Amico Ryans. It just oh, sure. uh, like yeah. I, you, anybody who paid even a little bit of attention knew that D'Amico Ryans could coach his rear end off. Right. Mm-hmm. In 20, in 2017, he got onto the 49ers staff as like an assistant. I, I think he was an assistant linebackers coach right away. He might've been quality control, but either way, he was, doing was, he was cutting tape. I mean, at, yeah. at first. Yeah, he was. I, I mean, and by 2020, he is a defensive coordinator, and by 2023, he is a a head coach in the or a, by 21, he was a defensive coordinator, and by 23, he's a head coach in the NFL, and just doing an unbelievable job in Houston. So, um, he's doing this with a rookie quarterback, a rookie mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, and a roster that we've talked about it before is probably a few players away from being like a really legit contending yeah. roster. They've, they've built and this so well. And we just don't talk about that enough. Yeah. And and they are lo- they, they're a really good team now. But I think when you look up and down, it's like, okay, they could get better at X, Y, and Z. That's fine. They're in year one, ostensibly, of a rebuild. So the fact that Houston is 6-4 and four through 10 games, they're sitting firmly in the number six seed in the AFC playoff picture. And with a relatively soft schedule down the stretch, Houston should easily hit its preseason win total, hit the over on its preseason win total of 6.5. I know that doesn't matter a lot, but that just kind of shows where the expectation was. And they're sitting at six wins with seven games to go. Well, yeah, uh, they need they, a half win, so there you go. Yeah, if they win, if they win one half a game, they've they've matched it. <laughs> um, like, but they they have they have a legitimate shot to win the AFC South and host a playoff game in January. And it's just incredibly impressive given what this roster looks like, kind of top to bottom, the production that they're getting out of a rookie CJ Stroud, 
out of Nico Collins and a rookie Tank Dell and then Noah Brown shined. I, I mean, just uh, just an unbelievable job on uh, really on both sides of the ball. And I, and I think that has to start up top with our guy, uh, D'Amico Ryans. It does. I think if you beat the Jets, that counts as half a win. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. So they're at, what, five and a half right now? Did they play the Jets this year? Uh, I'm not sure. Just being snarky, that's all. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I, I'm here for snark over facts. Show today. It's, it's one of the, the rules of the internet. No, it, it's it's... When you look at Houston's schedule down the stretch, and this is this is what's so impressive to me as I as I fumble with NFL Jesus here, but Houston's schedule down the stretch, they have they have the Jags again, I believe, and then they have the Titans in there. Let's see, they have the Jags next week. Oh God, they play the Jets in three weeks. They have Jaguars, Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. Would it would it stun you if Houston won ten games? Absolutely not. Yeah. Well, nine point five because they'll beat the Jets. Uh, great, gr- really good point. Yeah, nine and a half. Would it shock you if they won nine and a half? It wouldn't shock me. No. Yeah. So, uh, D'Amico Ryan's gets gets my vote right now, but Kevin O'Connell certainly has a great case, and an even greater case if Josh Dobbs leads that group to the playoffs. Yep. Well, they should be seven and four, but um, we'll get to that. All right, we're on to Cincinnati. Let's head to yeah, Ohio. We're on to Cincinnati. Well done. Thanks. So, in Ohio. The the NFL teams there are having a hard time at quarterback recently. Both mm-hmm. Joe Burrow of the Bengals and Deshaun Watson of the Browns are now out for the rest of the season. Watson has a shoulder. Burrow has a wrist. Done for the year, which leaves Jake Browning under center for the Bengals and Dorian Thompson Robinson under center for the Browns, at least for now. More on that in a second. Yeah. So uh, with those two or, I mean, some different option with the trade market closed, it's not going to be great. With those quarterback situations, do either of these teams have a realistic shot of making the postseason? Yeah, and I'm a, a fully paid member of the DTR Hive, but you know, same, same. You and I. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Browns maybe, but Joe Flacco ain't at boss. The Browns signed Flacco to back up DTR and PJ Walker. Remember, the Jets deemed Flacco expendable. The Jets deemed a quarterback expendable. Oof. Leave that there. That said, I think Kevin Stefanski, their head coach and offensive shot caller, has a generally good system to get young quarterbacks to at least a passable point. Multiple tight end stuff going from check down to touchdown. That also, it'd be nicer if they had Nick Chubb. Obviously, but things are where they are. Most importantly, the Browns have the kind of defense that will keep you in any game. They're just tremendous. And while I don't think you can advance too far in the postseason with a great def- defense, below average quarterback model anymore, the defense is good enough to keep the Browns on track for perhaps a wild card berth. The Bengals, we've seen over the last few seasons how much they put in Joe Burrow's hands and how everything kind of falls apart when he's unable to be who he is. Uh, that happened in the beginning of the season with the Castro, and then he got healthy and it was like bombs away. Uh, mm-hmm. Burrow's wrist injury is just brutal because just a, as an aficionado of quarterback play, I just love watching him. But, but there's not enough there to make the Bengals a functional concern for the rest of the season. It's too bad because they were kind of lined up to do it, and they're going to have to change the things in the offseason. So when we down the stretch start talking about teams, the closing windows, we may be looking at one right there. You understand why they do things offensively the way they do with Burrow's ability to assess both pre and post snap. Oh, and yeah. just his pocket, his ability to move in the pocket. And he is the best. When he retired, he's, he immediately became the best pocket mover in the NFL. Like, he's he's unbelievable. And unreal. just removing that out of your offense means you have to do something entirely different. Yeah. And well, not they're, sure. not you, they're not throwing 31 flavors at you offensively, schematically. It's not really No, like, no it's uh, figure it out, run, Joe. 
punch right, uh, you know, four <laughs> by one and let Joe do stuff. Okay. Well, it works if he's there. If he's not, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Seattle guy. I've seen enough of Jake Browning. I'm, I'm well, and I'm recording this here in, in Sacramento and shout out to our guy, uh, nine one six his own Jake Browning. All right. So for me, the Browns do for sure. For a lot of the reasons you've laid out, we've seen how low the bar is for quarterback play for them to win a game, but winning regular season games are, are is, is way different than winning a postseason game. Yeah. You're not allowed to play the Steelers every week. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying that I would bet on the Browns to make the playoffs. I, I think I would, but I'm not totally certain because like, to bet against them means it's Pittsburgh and then it maybe like Indianapolis both making a run and Buffalo figuring it out down the stretch here. So I, 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 I like where Cleveland's at sitting at seven and three. I think three more wins probably gets them in and, and given how their defense looks uh, despite the quarterback stuff, I, I, I sure. Yeah, I'm in. But even if they get D plus quarterbacking from whoever it is under center and God love DTR, like yeah. like you, I'm a big fan. Yeah. He probably shouldn't play any more games for them. I, it's just not there yet. Uh, devastating to the DTR hive, but it is what it is. And uh, well, maybe he grows a bit. I mean, the last team to win a Super Bowl with that model was the 2015 Broncos, where Peyton Manning's arm fell off and they had that historic mm -hmm. defense. That's almost a decade ago. Before that, it was the 2020 Ravens or the 2000 Ravens and the 20, 2002 Buccaneers. Yeah. You don't get this a lot anymore. It's really, really difficult. So There's no margin for error whatsoever. So if whoever's under center gives them D plus quarterback play, then I think they punch their ticket to the postseason. But I'm not picking them yeah. to win in the first round. And then as for the Bengals, they're cooked. Like for yeah. what we just talked about, so much of their offense is, is Joe Burrow being awesome. And Browning would need to be what, like 75% of Joe Burrow. And it's hard to imagine that he gets there in his first stint yeah. as a starting quarterback in the NFL. So. Sorry. Unless Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, has some tricks up his sleeve that puts the Bengals defense into the top one or two in the NFL and suddenly they start looking like the Browns, I, I don't think there's a path to the postseason for Cincinnati, unfortunately. Well, hidden issue, and this will show up more and more as the Bengals score fewer points. Uh, Cincinnati's run defense is ass. It's terrible. It has oh, no. Been um, yeah. It's weird because they have really good players on the DJ Reader and uh, – PJ Hilton. They have mm -hmm. good guys, but it's not working for some reason. So we we all love Uncle Lou, and the coverages are interesting. But it's almost like they get so tricky with it that some of the fundamentals fly away. They got to lock mm. that down if they have any yeah. hope of getting anywhere. No doubt. All right, let's hit fourth down here. And as always, we got to finish it on a low note. Doug, what was your worst of the week for week eleven? Okay. <laughs> Ron Torbert's two blown calls on the Vikings, two fumbles in that Sunday night game against the Broncos. Cost Minnesota the game. I'm not kidding. If there's one guy in the NFL whose tendency to launch himself at opposing players should be easily caught by referees, it's Broncos safety Kareem Jackson. This season, Jackson has been ejected from two different games, fined four different times, and was just off a two-game suspension due to his unnecessary roughness penalties. He has a predilection for launching himself helmet first at opposing players. Can't do Jackson that. That will tell him. Uh, Jax was back for this game on the Vikings' third play from scrimmage. Hawkinson took that direct snap, handed the ball to Dobbs, and what became a Dobbs fumble. How did that happen? Well, Jackson launched himself, leading with his helmet at Dobbs. Go figure. Launched at Dobbs's throwing shoulder. Okay. No flag from Torbert's crew. Crazy. The one guy in the league you watch that for. 
Well, of course, now the NFL is saying they're investigating the play. Uh, so the Broncos got a field goal on their subsequent drive off that fumble, which should not have happened. Then, with 2.52 left in the third quarter, Vikings running back Alexander Madison fumbled on a run, and the Broncos recovered the ball again. However, the snap didn't occur until a full second after the game clock hit zero. Go back and watch it. The, that should have been a five-yard penalty on the Vikings with the play blown dead, but no deal. Broncos got another field goal on that ill-gotten fumble. Game ended 21-20 in favor of the Broncos. Broncos got two field goals on turnovers that shouldn't have been turnovers. It's fair to say that Torbert and his crew were directly responsible, at least in part, for the result. I can't wait for Kareem Jackson to get a four-game suspension out of this and for Torbert to get a playoff assignment regardless. There is no accountability for NFL officials, and that's just the way it is. All right. Done. Enough. You good? I'm just so tired of it. But It's really, really frustrating. You're talking about a team that, that may need this game to get into the playoffs or you know where their seed is. It's important. Yeah. It's totally insane. All right. I didn't want to do this because it's such a like dead horse, but we've not gotten into it a lot on no, this show. Not, it's and I was going to, I was going to say Kenny Pickett because oof, but he's playing the Browns. That's big oof. Okay. The quarterback play in New York is my worst <clears> of the week for, for the, for the Jets specifically. Shout out to Tommy DeVito. I don't want to, I don't want to lump him in there. Yeah. The Jets specifically. The Sopranos games have been excellent. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to binge the whole show again. I really appreciate. It. <laughs> I've been. I've not caught that one yet. I need to. The Sopranos is my next HBO deep dive. I've been catching up on a bunch of pop culture stuff that I missed you, what, as, a, as a youth. You have not watched The Sopranos. Not a single one. <sighs> if I told you, Doug, if I told you I, the list I, of I, movies I, I wish, haven't seen, I you would, you would fire was, me. I actually wish I was in your shoes because it's the best TV show ever made. Seriously, I wish I'm I. Really, like to see it for the first time again. Wow. I'm really looking forward because I recently watched the wire for the first time oh, as go. a breaking bad guy. I really like breaking bad and, and love that uh, game of Thrones, all that. But I'm really excited to jump into the Sopranos because I have a lot of friends who watch all those shows and are like, Nope, Sopranos is the best one. Good. So I can't wait to dive in. So yep. Sopranos anyway. good quarterback play for the jets bad. Yes. And I've been really trying really hard because I, I, I like Robert Sala. I genuinely feel bad for Zach Wilson and kind of the situation he's in. Um, I, I feel bad for Jets fans. I have a ton of friends who are Jets fans. Shout out Twitter. And they got Aaron Rodgers. Everybody was so excited. And then to have that go the way it did, I felt bad for them. So I'm really trying hard to buoy the Jets as a playoff team that just needed like okay quarterback play to make a run. And oh, Zach Wilson, he's going to get a little better. And look, they went a few games here and, here and there. But dude, they're not getting even okay QB play. It's getting worse. Well, it got it's getting, worse. Now it's going to get going worse in a weird direction. <laughs> Yeah, so it's not getting better. It's it's actively getting worse. And Sunday's game in Buffalo highlighted just how bad things are. So Zach Wilson goes 7 of 15 for 81 yards with a touchdown and a pick. He gets benched late in the third quarter uh, to be relieved by UConn legend Tim Boyle, who completed half of his 14 throws for 33 yards and one interception. To tell you how bad the quarterback play for the Jets is, punter Thomas Morstead had one completion for 18 yards, which tied the Jets' longest completion of the game by the yeah. punter. Mm -hmm. who literally might be the best quarterback on the roster. Sure. So the season's over in New York, and ESPN's Dan Graziano wrote about this today, and he basically was like, why would Aaron Rodgers want to come back, or why would the Jets want Rodgers to come back? The season's over, and I agree. The Jets need to just bask in the bed of abominable quarterback play that they've kind of made for themselves and ride this season out and take their four or five wins or whatever they're going to wind up with and, and try and draft somebody to help Rodgers next year. 
Well, the answer to why Aaron Rodgers would come back this year is that as we get closer to the postseason, we're talking a lot about other things. We're not talking about Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't like that. So that's a great be. point. Yeah. yeah, when the news came across that the Jets had benched Wilson in favor of Tim Boyle, I did what I do. I went to the tape, and I hadn't sure. watched a lot of the Jets' passing game recently because there were only so many hours in the day, and also because I'm not a masochist. It didn't take long to see the wisdom in the decision. It took one play. Wilson's first throw against the Bills, he had a clean pocket. I put it up on Twitter a couple hours ago, and I'm just like, I'm offended by this. He hit a clean pocket. Receiver Garrett Wilson and tight end Jeremy Record coming open downfield to the right on a switch release, which is, you know, you start running your routes, then you switch real quick. Messed mm-hmm. up the Bills defense. They were in cover six, and they could not pick it up. Wilson didn't see either guy. And Ruckert, that's a touchdown. I mean, that is a touchdown. First offensive play or first pass play, that should be a touchdown. Wilson didn't see either guy. He fixed it on a running back, Brees Hall, about five yards from the line of scrimmage, and then misfired a short pass. And I'm like, okay. I'm done. Next, I can go watch like Rock Purdy or something because I'm I don't need to study this. It, it was very cool. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it was tape, a, it was a tough the, one. Tape will, the tape never lies, and sometimes the tape is just screaming next. I love I, I love it for you that it only took one play. Yeah, and I'm proud of you that you didn't subject yourself to more. Oh no, I'm, I've learned. I'm, I'm well smarter in my old age. I hope. Doug Farrar, one of the smartest guys in football. Thank you so much, uh, as always, for hanging out on 4Down Territory. We'll be back with you next week. See you, everybody. Thanks, everyone.